your job then. <laughs> but that was my best material. All right. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you are either A, a patron, or B, wishing you were a patron because we got the gang all here to just hang out and bullshit. So if you guys want to go ahead and just shout off, say who you are real quick, we'll get. All right. Well, first of all, I'm the other co host that was Ulrich talking. This is Axel talking. We're the originators of Geeks with Shields, but everyone currently here is a Geek with Shield. I'm curious though, um, you know, think on it. What? Because I'm a Viking, and my Geeks with Shield design is like a Viking with a wooden shield. Ulrich is a, basically a Roman centurion. So since I consider you guys Geeks with Shields, you know, just think about what kind of shield and armor you would want. I'm just curious now. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, this is uh, Woundvog here, and I've already claimed myself as the knight in armor on earlier stuff, but I definitely say for the guests... Bots I've been on, I'm definitely the tune buff of the group. Nothing like dead air. <laughs> well, we can edit that in post. Krug and or Chris. I guess I'll take it. I'm Chris Chipman, aka at the Chippa. Um, I uh, I still got to work on exactly what type of shield or armored individual I would be. Um, I have a little bit of Viking blood in me, so I'd sway there, even though we've already got Axel in Woo. that. But, um, you know, I, uh, I'm tied back to the Mayflower as far back as America goes, you know. So I'm, aside from being a Native American, I'm, I'm technically one of the earliest. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I could, I could dress up like a weird knighted pilgrim and just be strange. I got nothing. That's fine. That's what, uh, that's what bucklers are for, like little um belt bucklers even into the age of like you know guns those that was still a common thing for hand duels and stuff so maybe that could work well we can work with that then i imagine chris is like one of those super over the top you know samurai wielding the big club uh that's like uh you're talking about a shigoki for the record (laughs) yeah i'm like think any character from oh what's that famous game based around the three kings Dynasty Warriors. Uh, well, I, already... I am I am all about this explanation. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, he's a Shigoki then. Anyway, Krug. in that case, in that case though, I'm thinking Shigoki with uh, you know those pilgrim buckle shoes. <laughs> Love it. Fantastic, and and the giant pilgrim hat, of course. Oh God, East meets West. I approve. Uh, this is uh, Krug and. Uh... You know, I feel like you guys are all, like, unoriginal. There's so many kinds of armor you could have listed off, like, that don't have to be factual. Like, you could have pulled, like, a Skyrim set of armor out of here. I'm going to go with Doomguy armor. That stuff always looked pretty pretty hardy, so that's, I feel like that's what I would dress up as. He seems to, like, kill a lot of stuff in that, so it seems to work so, pretty well. Isn't the armor magical, too? The Doomslayer armor is... is It's mythical, definitely. And I guess Krug is our resident demon slayer. Does that mean like every time he just starts kicking ass, metal music starts playing out of nowhere? It's better. Yes. That would be like the best superpower to have. Speakers are built into the suit. It's required. It's the only way that his armor works. It, it actually is fueled by the power of heavy metal. That would be an awesome superhero. Somebody make that. <laughs> 
actually, you know, since we have no set topic, I'm using this as an op- opportunity to tangent. But a while back, me and Woonvog and a few other college friends had this big, long conversation about D-list superpowers. Just, you know, things that you could you have that would be neat, but you couldn't really do anything with. Like, I love, for instance, the idea of I could point at someone and make any song I want stuck in their head. You're a monster. <laughs> Uh, our friend Gail's uh, favorite is the idea of, of being able to levitate. One more time, I didn't quite catch that. Oh, the the power to levitate birds. <laughs> That's pointless. <laughs> it's exactly. supposed to be a D-list power. <laughs> I feel my ambition is too great to think of any D-list power except going to the go-to from Family Guy where you can control the growth of your nails. I always like that one. Uh, how about change the color of your hair at will? I love that, but that would be fun. Like, uh, I just love to have unnatural hair color all the time. I think it's unfair that blue isn't a natural hair color. The ability to heat up things in the microwave and have it be warm on all corners of the... That's a super, super power. That's not like a D-list. That's a legit good one to have. Well, uh, you just need to make a, meta- make a better magnetron. Again, you engineers talk about all these wonderful things and then say, oh, but we can't do it. Well, to be fair, any theoretical superpower can eventually, again, theoretically, be approximated with technology. I mean, that's the, the maxim, right? That's why Iron Man works. <laughs> Iron Man works because he's awesome. There's nothing more than that. I, I mean, you could say that technically about most superheroes i'm just saying the whole idea of a guy who's in a suit of armor fighting a god why it works is the whole you know technology sufficiently advanced how about the power to erase paper at will like just make any ink disappear just just the ink like the paper still exists you just yeah just like you know whatever just to fuck with people yeah i think you could get a job with the government like that. Like You're drifting into supervillain <laughs> territory. They'd want you to be a secret agent, like send you into a you know another country to where like the files are and just use your power to erase all their secret files. I mean, like also as an engineer, let me tell you what, there's a lot of sheets of paper that you needed erased a lot quicker when you were gonna have it. and if it could be clean instead of leaving all those eraser marks everywhere, I mean that uh, could help my work out pretty well. Right? I feel like there's this thing called a computer that already does this. Uh, Spoken spoken like a young person. No, I (laughs) still remember the days of, you know, tests and then you erase your marks and then your eraser breaks off and you stare your paper and the front. Yeah, but Ulrich, you understand, like, even as an engineer, uh, you know, theoretically, my job is all in computers. I still have to write a lot and actually one of the best ways to get something done in the office involves getting like people together and getting on a whiteboard because it's easy to draw things quickly and then erase them as we want whiteboards are the best absolutely and i'm i got kind of shit on and looked down on from pretty much everyone at my job that's either as old as me or younger for walking around with a notebook all day but the funny thing is if the power ever goes out i'm still able to work yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Looks like uh, you, know, you have to work while they get the day off. Oh, no, 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 say, no, no. 
you see, they have to go home, but they don't get paid for it. You see, <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> See, never underestimate the power of notes. I actually, I've had arguments with people about this, but when I had my first interview at the big company I worked for for like five years, I came in with 23 pages of handwritten notes. <laughs> Nerd. That's because you need just said all work and no play makes Axel a dull boy over and over and over. I'm more like all work and no play makes Axel employed. Fair. This is the sad truth, yes. And also dull. Well, he was and, like that beforehand. Hey, uh, kind of. That's why <laughs> I got into engineering. I suppose. Well, actually, I got into engineering because my grandfather was an electrical engineer at Qualcomm, and I saw his life, and I was like, I want that. And I like solving problems. So, And yet, I, I still don't like have a death rate. Look, at, we just talked about a death ray you're gonna Talking get about a death, death ray. rays does not get me a death ray it of actually it is step one of getting you a death ray you do not understand the engineering process here it takes a while well, can to we get skip to out. step whatever it is that i get my death ray because we've been then talking you'll, about this death ray if you do that you'll have a shitty death ray that'll break immediately no 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 <laughs> you gotta go through the press right like if if you just want to kill a guy you can just go out and kill a guy but will i look cool killing a guy I mean, shooting laser or lightning from my fingers or whatever the method of death is. Come on. So you see, you change from death ray to wanting to be able to shoot lightning out of your fingers. The idea, the end goal is to people think that make people think I'm a god and go, oh, okay. Well, death ray is not really going to accomplish that. You, you want, you want like, if I smite enough unbelievers, they're going to start going, okay, maybe he is a god. So what you want is a death note. Nah, some more flashy. Less William Defoe. Oh, sorry. It took me a second to put that together in my head because I didn't actually watch that shitty. <laughs> I was wondering how many people were actually going to get that joke. That was pretty good. Yeah, oh. that was a bad adaptation, though. Ooh. Anyway, on a positive note, uh, has anyone besides Chris seen Endgame yet? I'm going to see it in a couple days. Has anyone else seen it yet? You, but I'm going with you, so that's that explains that. I'm going Saturday. I'm going Friday. Oh, just you, Suck Chris. It. So, so give us just a a blanket statement. Uh, yeah, blanket statement. Blanket statement. Are you are you sure you want a blanket statement? No. I'm going to ask everybody. No. In the for... no. no, I just I just wanted a. Did you like it as much as you thought? That's it. I don't no, I don't want to hear that. That's spoilers. <laughs> That's all right. All right, Krug, Krug vetoed. I'm fine with that. Yes, I will just say it's a movie that exists, and you're all gonna see it. Yeah, that and you did that a video me. with Bob that was hilarious. Yeah, if if you want to see kind of what I, if you kind of want to see what I thought, watch that video. Um, by the way, because I think all of you have talked before, and I've never talked to any of you, I just want to say we introduced ourselves. I want to say hi to everybody. Hello. Yeah, for for the kind of a so proper kind of introductions here, right? Wunvog is my like best friend in the world. We were college roommates for a few years. He comes over like a couple days a week just to hang with me. Krug is Ulrich's like blood brother, right? So that's that's the connection. And then Chris is our friend we made online who's doing awesome. So I don't know what other introductions do we need. <laughs> A long time ago, in a 
distant land. Ah, Yaku, the shape-shifting master of sorcery. Wonderful. Did he I just cut that. out, or did somebody make him cut out? I wasn't sure uh, if I could. I wasn't sure how long I could keep doing that before I had to start, you know, stumbling to remember the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I know got him. But I no, no, no. <laughs> I, I think Samurai Quack was better. <laughs> yeah, I still laugh at Samurai Quack. That fucking monkey joke still kills me. I'm sorry. I just recently Woundvog and I have. Have you guys have seen the? The last couple of years, Disney's been putting out a new set of like Mickey Mouse shorts online. Have you seen these things? No. They are amazing, but incredible. Different. Yeah. Like literally, I showed them. Well, Woundvog showed them to me. And one of my first thoughts was, why does this remind me of Ren and Stimpy? Why does Mickey Mouse remind me of Ren and Stimpy? Because is- it's Spumco. So- Anyway, <laughs> that was my long roundabout way of saying that uh, since you brought up Samurai Quack, we were watching this cartoon, and Woundvog was pointing out to me how he was watching Darkwing Duck recently, and that's actually got people like dying in it, which I didn't remember. I want uh, Duck Dodgers on DVD. Have you guys seen the Darkwing Duck thing they did in the new DuckTales? Ducktales, woo! And Slagathorsi, oh, that was awesome. She's here when she wants to be. Yes. <laughs> I haven't had, I haven't gotten to that point in the show yet, unfortunately. But I knew they were doing like they were going to start doing the crossovers with a lot of the old uh, Disney afternoon cartoons, and that's really exciting. Yeah, the, it, it's not yet a full crossover. They kind of do like um, a gray ghost like Batman kind of thing with it. It's really love it. Nice. I I also will say that Don Carnage, I mean, when you're Don Carnage. Jim, yes. When you're Yeah, but when you're replacing Jim Cummings, you're always going to have a, some level of issue, but the guy uh, does well, all things considering. <laughs> and I just realized Craig has no idea what we're talking about. Craig, did you never watch Darkwing Duck? That was long before his time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm not that young, but I mean, so, you guys are old, so. The Mun- <laughs> the Munsters was long before my time, but I still prefer it over the Adams Family, and I always get people, like, looking down on me for that. Quiet down, Grandpa. Did So someone just called Ulrich and Axel old. Oh, God, what does that make me? Quiet down, Grandpa, too. Hey, Hachi, the true master. <laughs> <laughs> No, I actually watched a lot of TV Land growing up. So I watched a lot of Happy Days, uh, Green Acres, Gunsmoke, and The Munsters. So, same here. You know what uh, Munsters is, right? Craig Dad watched that one. Yeah, Munsters. I remember. That's uh, the best. I don't watch a lot of it, but I do remember it's kind of like um, the Adams Family, but like a different twist, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I got. I want to defend myself for a second here because Adam's family has this huge like cult following, and Munsters basically doesn't have the same kind of following. I, the reason why I prefer the Munsters, I don't think it's better than Adam's family. I just prefer it. Is very simply that the the gimmick, right, is the opposite. It, with the Adam's family, you've got a creepy family 
who is aware that they are creepy and leans into their creepiness and are like very against normality. Like it's part of, you know, Wednesday essentially purposely shutting down normality all the time is the, her main joke. The monsters thing though, is that they're monsters who don't realize that they are abnormal. So they're like nice and like a regular suburban family who just happen to be movie monsters. And I like that tone a lot more personally. How did that not get a live action reboot in the nineties along with everybody else? It did. They made a movie. How have I never heard of this? It was a TV movie. Um, and, um, what's his name? Edward Herman, the, the father from Richie rich, the Macaulay Culkin, Richie rich and the dad on Gilmore girls. He was in a lot more stuff. He played Herman Munster in that. I had, I'm looking it up on YouTube because I've never the Monsters Revenge. Yep. Huh. I'm kind of terrified to to look that up. I, I'll wait until after this and I'll look up some. This will be my nightmare fuel for night probably. I don't remember it being that bad. I actually remember it doing it kind of justice for a cheesy '90s. Really? There's a couple. Like the Brady Bunch movie is gold. It's kind of in that vein. It's not quite as good as the Brady Bunch movie or the Adams Family movie, but they were going for the same thing. Well, you know, it's funny because, like, just recently we were doing an episode with Woundvog about television shows that jumped the shark. And I've realized at the beginning I had to do this, like, 10 minute long diatribe about what happy days is because there's probably a good contention of people who have used the phrase jump the shark who don't know where it actually comes from. Quick pull of the group. Who knows where that came from for listening to that episode? I do. Yeah. Krug? No. Do you even know what happy days is? <laughs> that really? Um, do you, does, does Fonzie mean anything to you or the Fonz? I know the name, but I've never seen anything with him in it. You haven't missed anything. So now we've established. I, I bet you have seen something with him in it. Henry Winkler's in everything now. He's in every Adam Sandler movie. I mean, Henry Winkler seems like one of those. I mean, I've only read a handful of stories, but he seems to be like just as nice a guy offset as his current on-screen persona, which is basically play a fictionalized version of himself in everything he's in. That was like one of my favorite jokes when one by one, the Parks and Rec cast was being revealed to be terrible. And everyone said, man, if it comes out that Henry Winkler is secretly a Nazi, I'm done. Well, that's that, uh, What's that term? Milkshake duck? Is that, is that on this week's episode? Yeah, I, I mean, I had not heard that term before, but I remember thinking it with, with like, you know, we've had these years, these last few years where people are getting you know, called out on their, their terrible things, you know, the celebrities. But I was like, just don't touch the Holy Trinity. Like, I don't want to hear any negative things about Steve Irwin, Bob Ross, or Mr. Rogers. Just, just please, no. <laughs> I, will, I, can, I don't know if I'll be able to handle reality. I love that they did an entire documentary on Mr. Rogers and they didn't, like, no, there's nothing there. He was genuinely a good guy, which makes you think he wasn't human. That movie was incredible, by the way. Have you guys all seen it? 
Yes, I loved it so much. I didn't get a chance to yet, no. It will break you. That end, yeah. I, I heard that supposedly the reason why it got snubbed at the Oscars in the in the documentary category had to do with basically something as simple and stupid as its alphabetical name and essentially how the the list and the choice in that works. It uh, the explanation that was given me seemed really frustrating. <laughs> basically, well, I... what I was told was. The voters, it's all listed on uh, alphabetically, and the voters go through and select ones they're familiar with or they've seen. And then when they get to their pre-allotted amount, that, that's it. I, for one, find it shocking that the Oscars have uh, systems that are outdated and arbitrary. <gasps> Old white people joke. One of my favorite random <laughs> things, which is, a, that's a great joke, by the way, about the Oscars is when the Lego movie came out, how um, they didn't allow it to be nominated in the best animated feature category, or they decided that they weren't going to vote for it because it had five minutes of footage or 10 minutes of footage of real people in it. What? Yeah. How bullshit is that? Ah, I'm in pain. And now we enter the whole debate on the Disney live action. Well, I don't remember. What, I don't remember what came out that same year as Lego Movie, but I know Lego Movie was awesome. It at least deserves recognition. <laughs> yeah, the movies it was up against were all good, um, but I had really wished it had won that year. I think it was up against um, Inside Out, which I mean, by all means, give it to Inside that. Out. Long before that, was it? I, remember I can't remember anymore. I think uh, it was well, How to Train Your Dragon Two came out that year. Okay, so wh- why are you bringing up live-action Disney? Well, just the whole, it won't qualify for animated Oscar because it showed real people, and then the huge argument and dirt-kicking of, is the live-action Lion King animated or live-action? Oh, that's, I feel like that's such a weird level of nitpicking, because, yeah, I mean, it's technically... Have you been on the internet generated. lately? Well, okay, fair. Touché. I mean, there's whole segments that just love arguing over nothing. So we can make. Is that way we can make Beowulf a uh, uh, best animated film? I mean, it should have been nominated, in my opinion, but Visually, that's a different story. Yeah, for effects, because that was still when they were trying to do the photo capture, make a thing. I guess. I guess the you could boil it down to: Does photorealistic animation? count in the category of like an animated film i guess and i don't think there's an easy answer to that but it's also I think the there kind is. Of thing that, is animation in the title like you just said uh, photorealistic animation you see in, in in my animated. opinion in my opinion the best animated category is ridiculous and um oh, i think yeah. they should i think they should go back to you know, just having more nominees and have animated nominated up against it, especially with movies like Spider Verse, which are I was about easily <laughs> easily able to win um, a best regular best picture category, not alone animation. But um, so the Lego Movie was officially snubbed for the exact reason I said it did not even get a nomination. It would have been up against Big Hero Six, The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon Two, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. I didn't see those last two. How to Train Your Dragon 2 is amazing. 
Uh, was not impressed with uh, Big Hero Six, to be honest. I mean, Big Hero um, Six is good. I, I like. It's just... I like all those movies, but I would say that, and I mean, I'm not just being a hey, this is what we're talking about right now. But I would like Lego Movie the most out of that grouping, personally. <sighs> it would be hard because How to Train Your Dragon Two made me have feelings. The How to Train Your Dragon series is insanely good. Yes. Yeah, three movies that all manage to be near perfect and evoke emotions all three times. Holy shit. Coming from DreamWorks. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, Shrek that... did it, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I I'm remember... curious uh... to see if we go back and rewatch Shrek, how well it has aged with adult sensibility. It hasn't. One and two, good. The rest, crap. Just the same as it was before. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I just watched Shrek again recently. It, uh, I, I feel like it holds up. I, I think other things have done the same shtick again better, but I think it. I still, want, I'm curious if it would have been as good with the Chris Farley Shrek. I think Shrek Two holds up personally. I think Shrek One. I think is Shrek Two is the better foundation. film. Yeah, I exactly. I'm saying that I think Shrek One is a little too cynical of a movie. You know, it was made in. It's, this is well known at this point that basically it was the guy giving the big middle finger to Disney, and I feel like it makes it a problem from a you know at a hindsight perspective. But Shrek Two is just a great story, so. Plus, Shrek One is really pop culturey, like really yeah, that's, obnoxiously so. That's DreamWorks shtick, and the Illumination people um, kind of took that and ran with it. I mean, look at you know as as much as I enjoy little pieces of the Despicable Me movies. Um, the problem with those is is the pop culture references. The fact that you can take any of the three Toy Story movies and they're kind of timeless, but you can't really watch one of those and not have it be exactly when it came out. You know, I love that you yeah. brought up Toy Story because I was literally going to say with uh, with How to Train Dragon three came out, I was like, this reminds me of when I saw Toy Story three. It's like it's a basically a perfect animated trilogy, and that is an extremely rare thing. <laughs> So let's get everyone's thoughts. We'll shift to that one. Toy Story 4. Is anyone like excited for that? No. What he said. It it looks like it could be interesting, but the major beats that I've seen of it, it looks like a retreading of two, and I'm just confused as to why. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I've been kind of a Disney dissenter lately with most of the stuff being just okay to me. And I look at this one going, oh, yeah, you really shouldn't have made I mean, the thing can be said for pretty much any animated film. Often they out, you know, they they go on longer than they should have. You can only beat the same dead horse so many times. Well, remember, when Toy Story 2 was being made, um, that was during the Lasseter um, takeover where he became the biggest stockholder in the company when they gave Pixar double stock. So he closed down the entire section of Disney making sequels to all the old Disney animated movies. So that's one good thing we could say about John Lasseter. Yeah. Probably the only one left here. But um Toy Story Two is supposed to be a direct to video movie. And when they they showed the script to the people at Disney, they said, No, you have to make this. So it was like a line in the sand drawn of like shit, are we gonna start making sequels? And um, it worked. And I can't believe it worked again. Like, to be fair, the Toy Story 3 trailers didn't do much for me. And that movie became one of my favorite animated movies that I had seen 
that year and the last few years there, Toy Story 3 just breaks me. So I hope Toy Story 4 does that for me too, and they're just not advertising it well. But it, it does not, it, it just looks like they finally missed. And that makes me sad. I want to say that Toy Story for me, like, I mean, yes, I love Toy Story 1 before I was old enough to understand what I'm about to say. I'm going to put my pretentious hat on for just a moment here. But all three Toy Story movies, one of the reasons why I feel like they're so good at what they do is that they deal heavily with philosophical and I don't have a better term for this, but spiritual concepts. And they do, do it in such an accessible and understandable way that it basically is one of those things that like translates to, I think, you regardless of well, – maybe not regardless, but – almost regardless of your cultural background and stuff like that. Like it's just such a human experience conveyed through toys, you know, and the fact that like the third one is basically just a trip through Dante's Inferno is like, that's the kind of brilliant maverick storytelling that if they, if they didn't do something like that in Toy Story 4, like continue the, Hey, find some interesting philosophical concepts. Maybe find some other kind of parables to play with. You could make it work. I just, like you guys have said, the trailers don't, seem to show any of that i mean i think there's um something we said about trailers in general so it's like they can be misleading in either direction um some of the biggest crappiest things of all time have come out of great trailers but my favorite example my favorite example is mother i saw that trailer and i was like i love that movie Hey, just because it's divisive, I'm saying from my personal experience that trailer was so bad and that movie i loved so much. So. I would argue the reverse of that. The worst part of if, if the film, I believe we're talking about, um, is my favorite scene of that whole film is when she finally gets her child back and then just decides to chuck it in the water and it wasn't good enough. That was, that was my favorite part. That is not the same movie as far as I know. Okay. <laughs> what movie are you talking about? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Mama. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Mother, <laughs> yes. Mother's the one with uh, Jennifer Lawrence as Mother Earth and Javier Bardem as God. Although oh, Mama Mama is pretty fucked up too, but Mama is seventy percent of a great movie. I agree. And then it goes all yeah. Tim Burton at the end. <laughs> it does. So, uh, when you think about it. Johnny Depp jumps out of the bushes and just dick punches somebody. Usually, you're not far off. <laughs> um, go- going back to trailers, you know, I have of hopes that with Toy Story 4, Disney is just, you know, continuing on the Marvel trend and without saying anything about Endgame, um, the Infinity War trailers were incredibly misleading and I I liked that about it. I liked that they had enough confidence in themselves that they cut a trailer that really didn't tell you much about what was going to go down in the movie or intentionally misled you and messed with your expectations and I like a company that you know kind of knows that people are going to show up anyway so we might as well have them come in and be surprised and maybe that's what they're going to do with toy story but i don't know if it works a fourth time yeah, i haven't watched any of the trailers because i wanted to go in blind but i do love the assessment oh that i'm, I'm talking about infinity not, war there been no tra- oh, i know infinity war but they could have not shown us anything but maybe dust blowing in the wind and we still would have all gone to see this movie see, right the only the only interesting concept in the toy story 4 trailers to so far for me is the 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 spoon toy basically brings up some existential horror of a kid can basically create life without meaning to in the spoon toy and you could 
you can make a really dark and interesting story with that. And I, I don't think they are. I'm saying the team that made Toy Story three, I would trust to do that, but I'm not saying they are going to do that. It's a complicated feeling and emotion here right now. It just, it just feels like something that would have worked better from a concept is one of those Toy Story half hour specials they do, which are all great in my opinion, Um, but it just doesn't hold the water of a whole film. And maybe that's because they're only showing us one little teeny tiny section of it. Like if you had only had one section of Toy Story three, right, it wouldn't have been a whole movie. But like you said, they take you through Dante's Inferno with toys. That's what makes that movie incredible. And to be fair, their uh, subversion with the Force Awakens trailers was incredible. Yeah, I agree. The internet does not bode kindly on The Last Jedi discussions. (laughs) So what? Fuck those people. This is what I'm going to say flat out. I have opinions. Speaking as someone who lives with, I think, one of the biggest Star Wars fans I've ever met. I'll second that statement. He he actually left some of the forums he has been like frequenting for decades because he was fed up with people whining about incongruities with the newest movies. I love The Last Jedi. I'll defend the fuck out of it. And and I will say this. Um and again, I you know Ulrich obviously said we, we won't stay on this topic for long because this does make people upset. Um, but anyway, uh, the newest trailer, I love the vibe I'm getting from the newest trailer for um, Rise of Skywalker because I feel the entire trailer is designed to be subverting and misleading and bait and switching everybody that thinks it's giving them what they want. And that makes me really happy. Here's all I'll say about The Last Jedi. There, at this point, there is no way to have a discussion about it because there are only really two camps, and both camps hate anyone in the middle. Well, you know, it's funny because really, that even that concept of the camps is kind of misleading because, you know, by the numbers, The Last Jedi is a super crazy success. It is commercially loved and critically loved. It's like the, the dissension is that you know, well-known, well-spoken about, small group of loud people. So how about them Red Sox? Hey, that's... <laughs> oh, damn that's, it, I didn't realize what I stumbled into. Everyone just <laughs> left the chat because no one cares about baseball. I know, hey. but how about them Red Sox is my go-to segue, and then I realize hey, we have a... Red if Sox you want to talk about the Red Sox for the next 40 minutes, I'll do it. I was, but I don't. But I don't think you want to. I like the one no. that says I'm not the Bears because I, people actually watch football. Here's here's the extent of my what I'll say about baseball. When I was very young, like five, I, my hero was Tony Gwynn of the San Diego Padres because I lived in San Diego. Woo! And I got him to sign a. I met him and he signed this little blue bat uh, of mine, and it was like super treasured possession. And that's all I want to say about baseball. Awesome. Barry Bonds was awesome until he wasn't. Well, I love the fact that okay, I'm I'm breaking my own rule. I love the fact that Tony Gwynn wasn't like a I'm gonna hit all the home runs. He was just like, no, I'm this consistent, I'm gonna hit the ball every time, I will not strike out, I'm for the team. And those are the kind of you know athletes, you know, like like your Wayne Gretzky's, right? Who is like Wayne Gretzky's the greatest hockey player who ever lived, but his the record he's most proud of is most assists because he's all he's a team player. I'm sorry, okay, I'm ranting. And talking about hockey, I mean, we don't have any Canadians in the audience. 
hockey's awesome and should be more like than just and it's like the most brutal sport it's anyway i'm not arguing with you i'm just saying americans generally do not care about hockey for whatever reason it's football on ice Again, Boston guy, so I could go on about hockey if you want to, but I don't think that's Why what you want to Why are you people so angry? I didn't say angry. I said we like hockey. Well, you like hockey, and you like riding, and you just seem like a generally malcontent people, and I don't understand okay. why. Okay, I've got a, I've got a geek conversation for you. So uh, I've, I'm almost done with Gotham, right? I've been I'm in like season Ooh. five and I had this weird realization I've had a couple weird realizations with Gotham, but one that I wanted to talk about was, you know, when I was in college, we had this thing our first year where everyone was assigned a Batman character. We realized that because we had one friend who basically was in his room all day and then we'd go out at night and we just wouldn't see him. So we were just like, man, is he Batman? So then we made everyone a Batman character. For some reason, I was the Joker. I still keep a Joker card. But as I was watching Gotham, I had this moment where I was like, I am not the Joker. If I'm a Batman character... I gotta be Rachel Ghoul because the second I see someone lead the League of Shadows and then try to do something as petty with it as rule a single town, I was literally yelling at the TV, the League of Shadows controls the world. It's a it's a global thing. You you small-minded. And I was like, why am I getting so defensive with the League of Shadows? So my my conversation is since Batman, we've had our opinions about Batman that generally are negative on the show because me and Ulrich have we don't like how Batman has been used, but Batman has are inarguably the best rogues galley. So what Batman character do you identify with and why? It's a classic stupid BuzzFeed kind of thing, but I don't care about like accuracy. I just, I just curious about people's feelings. Uh gut feeling goes towards Bane. I can see that. I mean, he's a luchador who's also super intelligent, and he broke the bat. And not that dumb Tom Hardy, whatever the hell that nonsense was. Seriously, what the hell was that? What is it with that movie franchise and no one going, listen, that is a dumb voice, try something different. I mean, that's two actors with dumb voices. You had problems understanding what he said? <laughs> I had trouble taking him seriously! Oh, it's quite simple, Ulrich. You just need the fagin and if a Batman. <laughs> I mean, Batman was bad enough. And then we have Bane, and you get to the point it's like, oh, this is like what we all thought the expendable was gonna be between Schwarzenegger and Stallone. We can't understand what either of them were saying. No. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I, I love Freeze, Tom Hardy, but no Mr. I love that in a direct pointed reaction to that, they stuck Tom Harvey in a damn Tom Hardy in a damn mask for the entirety of Dunkirk. That's not, I thought it was just a Tom Hardy thing. He can't have his face. Shut. No, it's it's a freaking Chris Nolan thing. It, when they brought up that we can't understand Tom Hardy as Bane, he's like, "Well, that's just an artistic choice, and you don't get me." Oh, it's, the good old Batman. It's the it. same reason why the score is so loud that you can't understand anything Matthew McConaughey is saying in um, Interstellar. Krug, uh, you're a huge uh, Tom Hardy fan. Who's your go-to Batman? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge Batman favorite, but the, my favorite film, my, my favorite Batman film was the George Clooney one, I believe. And that's the one that I was speaking with, with where Arnold plays Dr. Freeze or Mr. Freeze. 
Okay, um, and it's a popular opinion, but go on. Wonderful. <laughs> and let me say, what just happened why. there? The reason I say that this one's my favorite is I love how non-serious they took that film. My favorite line in that whole film was when uh, uh, Poison Ivy's hitting on Batman, and she comes over and goes, "I love a man in an anatomically correct suit," and she like rubs his his plastic nipples on his his suit. I just I don't know that line cracks me up. You know what, Craig? You get just respect points from me for defending what has been lauded as one of the worst movies ever made, period. You know what? I, yeah. You just, I think he gets it, though. Like, he 100% understands the idea behind that movie. I've always given um, credit. I won't say that I like um, either of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, but I give credit to them for trying to bring out the campiness they use the same dutched camera angles and the bad puns and everything and the colorful visuals that um the original adam west show had and i give them credit for trying to do that it worked much better in batman forever than it did in batman and robin in my opinion but um give them credit for that i guess yeah, I'm not a fan of the old uh, Adam West Batman. I can't watch it. My uncle was a diehard fan because he grew up watching it. But I really do feel like if you like the Adam West Batman, you can't really hate that much on the Schumacher ones because they're basically the same thing with a better budget and less dancing. That's fair. Well, you know, I think that's actually why I've really come around on Gotham. So, like, season one of Gotham, I thought, was just not very good. Not like this is terrible level, just eh, middling, and then it's just gotten better the longer I've watched it. I had this realization that like, I've read some people online say that Gotham is tonally inconsistent, and I'm like, yeah, because Batman is tonally inconsistent. Gotham is actually kind of successfully pulling a bunch of different aspects of the various adaptations and comics of Batman into kind of one show. Does it work all the time? No, but on the whole, I'm enjoying the hell out of it, especially when it can go from something really dark like not Joker, essentially carving kill into someone, to something ridiculous like a guy with a pig mask singing a musical about how he's going to make the rich eat people. Like, just ridiculous, campy, over-the-top. I love the combination of that kind of stuff. Anyone else watching Gotham? Not on Netflix, I haven't. Yeah, I got Netflix (laughs) watching it, I think, at this point. Yeah, I've seen a bit of it, and I know the beats of some of the later seasons, but it definitely has been enjoyable. I just fell off with the whole League of Shadows Barbara nonsense. Like, I just could not get past that. That was so infuriatingly dumb. Well, it's what made me get all defensive about the League of Shadows, so... (laughs) Well... It's been a while since I watched it, and I don't want to dwell on it since I don't think anyone else has seen it. But the League of Shadows is this big, ultimate, you know, Illuminati bad guys, and they are done such... What's the word? They're just done poorly. True, but Raish is done amazingly. Oh, he's good. Like, this is a great show of half of it's really good, other half, not so much. Just I mean, like what they've done with the Yeah, and what they've done with the Riddler kind of just... I don't know what to make of that one. I love what they've done with the Riddler, and I will hear no negative words against it. 
At least he's got a bowler hat. If I had to make a point about the the League of Shadows and like that whole thing that goes with it, I think the problem with it for me is if you've watched multiple of the DC shows, they seem to just like bring them into everything. And the, I don't know, I just I'm just like, wow, oh look, the League of Shadows, they're here again. That's cool. The Batman problem. Batman they, must infect every DC property somehow. They still work better than the hand did in Daredevil and Iron Fist. Oof. Yeah, can we talk about that? I mean, what's there to talk about? They failed to realize the hand entirely. But How, though? The They're undead ninjas. That's not that hard. Yeah, but the hand has been taken seriously since, like, the 80s when freaking Ninja Turtles created the foot to make fun of them. And I'd argue the foot are more well-known in popular culture than the hand. You don't have to make I agree with that. And yes, you're right. But... And let's move jump ship on that one. Is it weird that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is still going today? You know, not necessarily in a good way, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting around. It has its ups and downs, but let's look at this. Chris, Ulrich, and I, or Chris, Axel, and I all grew up watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You, Krug, was, grew up watching was Teenage Mutant Ninja written Turtles. written and drawn in Springfield, Massachusetts. Holy shit. And now our nephew nice. is watching... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's two, three generations? Okay, well, you know... Also, one of the basic... Turtles has got that very basic... They they do this in shows all the time, but Turtles is one of the most distilled and easy examples for this, how the four main characters fit this very, very old... Like, back in freaking ancient Greece, they figured this out, these four different types of personalities. So basically, no matter who you are, you're going to have at least one turtle that you latch onto as, like that's my turtle and that alone will be like a reason to for a kid to latch onto it like for me it's you know donatello so yeah but there have been plenty of shows that have done that and they're not still going i mean i guess we are on our third reboot of thundercats reboot of thundercats yeah there's a new thundercats in the works i i don't know that's That's odd. <laughs> I mean, the original Thundercats was like, it was watchable, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was reboot worthy, but that's just me. I will say the new Thundercats does not look like it's made for us. No, it's for I'm somebody. Sure it's made for. But yeah, it doesn't look funny. like it's made for us. Well, it's funny because the most recent Ninja Turtles, right? Because I'm a huge Turtles fan. I got a Turtles blanket right behind me. And when the rise of the Teenage Mutant Turtles started last year, Woonvog was like, hey, let's check this out. Watched the first episode, and because I loved the Nickelodeon Turtles, that actually was that was really good. And then you know this, I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. And I saw the first episode, and I thought, this is not for me. I, I don't just I don't wait need to five watch minutes. This. There'll be a new one. <laughs> what did you all think of the um, the three D animated Turtles movie from the early two thousand? Krug, this one's yours. Oh, TMNT. Watch this one. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is yeah. TMNT. TMNT was uh, great. It, it, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. Know, I've only seen it maybe once or twice. They've done. I think they've only done two films though, right? There was that one, and then they also did one more recently, right, with Megan Fox. There's a lot of turtles. There's yeah. been there's been th- two, th- three theatrical, one made for TV, and then the TMNT one was theatrical, and then the two shitty Michael Bay ones. Yeah. So the breakdown. Two shitty Michael Bay ones. Oh god. So the, so the yeah, breakdown... there's there's two of them. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I keep talking over people. I apologize, but I'm very, I'm passionate about this. So the first Teenage Mutant Turtles movie that came out in the early '90s is amazing. I will still hold it up as like a damn great movie. I love it. The second one 
Secret of the Ooze is okay. It is more family friendly, uh, lighter tone. It's it's watchable. The third one is legendarily terrible, and I'm going to move on. Then TMNT is the one you mentioned, uh, Chris, the the kind of three anime one, which is is really good. I think personally, it's a little off the wall. I guess it's closer to the TMNT comics at that point, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. And then we have yeah, Michael Bay ones, which I don't want to think about. Yeah, yeah I, I, I made a film that was watchable in a decent amount of time now. I really like that that animated TMNT movie, and I wish we had gotten more. Um, well, that was a pretty good show there for a while. Yeah, it was. Like, I remember Craig watching that. Was that not you that watched that? Uh, I do remember watching it, but I it, I don't know. I just don't remember watching much of it. I remember watching it like once or twice. That was about it. I don't even really remember what the plot of it was. Well, the thing is, as far as the shows are concerned... There's like there's like seven different shows right now. Three of them are really good, and then three of them are very meh. And then I can't judge the most recent one because I didn't watch past them. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can really remember just because they've changed so much. As you said, they're just so generational. Was there was the animated show that was really awesome that we watched a lot of, and then I remember a very like, and for me anyway, uh, cheesy like real one where everyone ran around and. Turtle suits. The next that was the show. Oh. The movie. The third movie was the setup for. Yes. Okay. That that also has what is possibly the worst version of. Let's make a girl character whose only personality type is it's a girl. <laughs> Wait, they brought Venus. back Venus. That was in the next mutation, which is the live action show that happened, and oh, which so- also. Also had a crossover episode with Power Rangers, if anyone was curious. Still going today, which is the other one I wanted to talk about. How is Power Rangers still going? Uninterrupted, my, I add. Woodbog, you're the there. expert. <laughs> it's, been, it's been interrupted a, a few times, but uh, honestly, it's... I think it's the same thing. It's, like, it's just kind of a... It's a type of show that I think any kid of any generation can latch onto and find some interest in giant necks and guys in suits yeah oh yeah so they just keep going and admittedly another big thing is that the sentai series which is what the show uh is in japan uh has been going since i think the late 70s as -hmm. a huge staple for this uh of japanese uh television and so both have been very popular in their respective uh regions yeah no my nephew on easter was watching power rangers and i just remember thinking i remember watching this when i was his age and it's still the same basic premise we're gonna pilot giant mechs shaped like something cool and the best part about that is i was thinking about this like they really didn't have to make new episodes of that show because they haven't really changed any (laughs) Like, there's about the same level of quality from those as there is now. switched to CGI now. Well, the thing that's brilliant about the Power Rangers from, like, Saban as a company in the United States making it is all they had to do was go to a generic high school and generic sets they already had, shoot some stuff with American actors, put them in the suits to put the helmets on, and then steal or buy a show that already exists. So. Up until now, which I watched, I guess it is a Power Rangers RPM, 
is one of the current versions or the current version, I which is like, it's like in this post-apocalyptic <laughs> Mad Max world kind of thing, which Ooh. is kind of nutty. But And it, it is amazing. Yeah, I just watched three episodes of it today. Someone pointed it out to me, and it's friggin' great. <laughs> well, yeah. well um, that, that's what I was going to say, the quality thing. Okay, I am not the Power Rangers guy. Like, me and Moonbog realized a while back that we are in this weird coin of, like, I grew up with Godzilla, and I so I, I found Power Rangers oddly similar but not what i wanted and moonvog was the opposite but from what he has told me there are like seasons of power rangers that are like legendarily you know better and then there's power ranger samurai or the pirate one so, uh, i thought you were gonna mention uh turbo turbo has problems but it's still a fun series i feel uh but it's its biggest claim is that it led into what is possibly one of the best seasons of the entire show and i will preface this by saying i a couple years back i started with my friend denim who had never seen power rangers before we started from the very beginning of mighty morphin watching every series onward uh because they're all on netflix and we are up to what is the just-finished latest season, and it has been a wild ride. I just want to longer than I did. I, I just want to hear you talk about the sea. I just want to hear you talk about the pirate one, man. There was a pirate uh, one. God, I wish there was a good pirate one. See, the pirate one, I remember seeing the pictures of it, and I was like, that's awesome! And the Megazord has, like, a pirate hat that it tips, and, like, that's my level of camp that is, like, awesome. And then I, Moonvog would tell me how absolutely a travesty that series was. Now, now let me paint the picture. Uh, the Sentai series, which I should probably look it up the name later, but it was... The whole series was a love letter to the franchise uh, because it was, I believe, the 35th anniversary of, of Super Sentai in Japan. Oh, Super Sentai, okay. Uh, which, at that point, their whole, the whole setup of the show is they are a group of pirates traveling through space fighting a tyrannical galactic empire. And okay. and that's the setup for the Sentai series. They use these special keys that give them the powers of all of the past uh, Sentai Rangers. Promising. So you'd see them, yeah. So you'd see them morph into all the other Rangers you know from the past series, uh, and use their abilities and their powers and. It's just like such a memorable nostalgia trip, and it's uh, and it's wonderful from what I've seen of it. Also, get it? They're pirating powers from their Ooh. Hey, that's not my joke. That's fucking built in. The Red Ranger is called Ooh. Captain Marvelous, and he's you know he he really is the Power Rangers version was done initially split between two, the film of two different Sentai series, so you only got to see it, see uh, the pirate stuff for half of a season. Um, 
the man in charge didn't care about making any kind of sense of plot or character development. All he wanted was the show to go from A to B to get to a fight scene so they could use the footage. Like, the actors themselves were begging to do things differently so they could add some character development, but he shot it down at every turn, and it just turned into an entire damn mess. Well, and this, at this point, was the 25th anniversary of Power Rangers, and what should have been an amazing homage setup to everything that's come before it just feels like it's mocking it. That hurts. It does. Especially with this being uh, the second series to come back to Saban after they repurchased it from Disney. Isn't it owned by Mattel now? It's owned by Hasbro. That was one of the toy companies. Mm-hmm. And don't they want to like, fit that into their big crossover universe with G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, Micronauts, all that nonsense? I wouldn't be surprised. The uh, the comics have been going strong, and doing a crossover with any of those probably would end up being super fun. I'm just looking forward to the point that Mask crosses over with G.I. Joe's, and they go, Hey, wait a second! You're a lot like me! It'll be just like that scene in Shaun of the Dead, where they just walk exactly. by the group of people that look almost exactly like them. I realize Chris may be the only one that knows what Mask is in this group. Besides, I, Mask I love Mask. I definitely know of it, but mostly just because it was parodied on Robot Chicken. Mask was awesome. I, I came to that one late because older siblings, but god damn, it's like Transformers and G.I. Joe got together. I'm afraid they're going to screw that movie up. Because, I mean, G.I. Joe seemed like a real easy go-to, and yet two movies. Yeah, I saw that one with Axel. I remember him trying to convince cool. me it was good. Well, I had fun with the first one. I, me I also, too. I, mean, I, loved, I didn't watch the second one, so I can't judge it, but I, I, yeah, I had to say about it. I just remember coming out of the theater and going, that wasn't very good, and you going, that was really enjoyable, and myself slowly being swayed into, it was? Oh, oh Okay. I also love anytime Ray Park gets work. <laughs> this is true. I mean, he so was the, awesome. The first GI Joe movie just felt like it, it felt like the writing room was just watching a kid play with the toys, and to me, that's GI Joe. Um, the sequel just felt cheap, it and it didn't was, work. Like they slashed the budget. But um, yeah. the guy, the guy that made the Mummy. Uh, made the first GI Joe, not the new Mummy, the the good one. Um, the, I love one with uh, that now. Yeah, um, the the good the good remake, um, the Brendan Fraser one, and he's he's hit or miss. You know, he he did make the Mummy Returns, which isn't as good, and Van Helsing, which is a giant mess. But the guy can make a serviceable action movie, and so that that's kind of how I look at GI Joe. Is you know it. It's a big mess. It's 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 way too big. It's trying way too many different things. But I looked at the movie as okay, and now all of a sudden there's submarines, and now all of a sudden the submarines can fly, and I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, that reminds me. Oh, it, it kind of reminds me of like the way the uh, Fast and Furious movies have developed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
you and know, now it's we've funny. got Idris Elba as a superhero. That explains a lot with the uh, the Van Helsing because that that first GI Joe feels a lot like Van Helsing. Because some of the thing, like there are a lot of parts of Van Helsing that I enjoy. I I love how werewolves are depicted in that. I like the overacting and hamming up that that Dracula is doing. The Frankenstein concept is great. It's just that, like, yeah, it's a big mess full of bits of fun stuff. That's a that's a movie they could remake and could be good. I think the whole thing, in my opinion, was made by the same. It was Hugh Jackman. I mean, Hugh Jackman helped. I, mean, I don't know. I just feel, I don't know. The worst best part about watching it is just like it's like watching Wolverine in a different role. <laughs> right, they need that crossover. There's also a lot of set set design and set work in that movie that is really impressive. Like it was a big looking movie and an expensive looking movie. And I feel things that have tried to do the same thing. Um, you know, it just ends up looking cheap instead of looking big and fun. And so Van Helsing, if you go back to it, it's still, it's a blast to watch. It's just the sum of its parts don't add up to the best movie in the world. But that, that director, that's kind of his whole career is just movies that like he knows how to stage an action scene he he knows how to write villains, you know, and um and I, I wish he'd get more work, frankly. Hey Disney, I know you're working on filling up that Disney Plus, and can I say what if? Great buy, but can we get some like the other other world, you know, tales? Because I really like the idea of Wolverine as a vampire slayer. Now that just sounds awesome. Well, you know, actually, uh, apparently we are getting what are they called? What if stories? Yeah. So. I don't know if they'll do that because like the first one they announced, which I'm excited for is what if Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum instead of cap. <laughs> I'll watch. It's a little that. scary. I, I'm a little, I'm, I just have an image of like a really beefed up Peggy Carter now who looks like she'd snap your, your head with her thighs. I love that. Right. That's is she just going to look like Ronda Rousey? Like, is that yeah, what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining. Way to ruin a good thing. Ow, it's not ruined. You're just a coward. I don't like Ronda Rousey. She ruined Mortal Kombat. Uh, ruined? Have you, you listened to any of her dialogue in the new game? No, I haven't. Uh, I, I followed Ronda Rousey's career. If you're playing Mortal Kombat for the dialogue, you're doing it wrong. I disagree. There is a great series in Mortal Kombat. It just needs a budget. As someone who plays a lot of fighting games, I... Would have to agree with Chris on this. So I'm not saying that the fighting and all that stuff isn't great, but the amount of time they spend creating a world for this game to exist in is a benchmark that other fighting games should strive to achieve. That is a fair point. Netherworld Games has been really working on stuff like that, especially with like you know the Injustice games as well. Yeah, because most fighting games are like they punch each other. Why? Be because they punch each other. What do you need? It's a tournament. And Mortal Kombat's like, hold my beer. Okay, so a long time ago, this reigning dynasty of cyber ninjas went to war with this other reigning dynasty of ice ninjas, and they fought for a long time. And oh, there's this other group of ninjas, and they do this. It's just like, yes, make. I'm, I'm here for this. You know, oddly enough, I think that's why I'm not into Mortal Kombat. Like, Mortal Kombat is... I, I play a lot of fighting games. It's my favorite genre of video game. But I like... Tekken and Street Fighter and Killer Instinct. I never liked Mortal Kombat, so it's like Killer Instinct has a ridiculous is... backstory. Yeah, but I feel like Killer Instinct's ridiculous backstory is so 
over the top that it like it was never meant to be taken anything resembling seriously whereas mortal kombat still feels like it's trying to straddle that line that just kind of bothers me at that point and i'm not saying it's bad if it's your cup of tea the more power to you mortal kombat's like amazing for what it is i'm just saying it didn't really work for me because of that anybody else in the room a clay fighter guy (laughs) sadly no i don't even know what you're talking about wow that was that 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 sucked (laughs) I've definitely heard of it and I remember seeing seeing a lot of it and the fact that they used uh, claymation for all the uh, fighting fighters is pretty wonderful. Oh, by the way, my version of what you just did is a battle arena Toshinden. Like I bring that up. Even rooms full of people who play fighting games go silent. Not me. I'll, I'll, I'll hold that one up forever with you. That puts you in a very small group of my friends that even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, so it's an Nintendo flag that explains everything. Anyway, <laughs> I, I didn't go play though. I see. I'm looking at the picture, and yeah, did, I'll admit, did, I, I missed this one. Did Ulrich again with my childhood? Are you shitting on Nintendo now? Thank you forever. <laughs> Oh, oh no. Oh. I mean, why can't they just coexist? Because that's not how it's meant to work. I mean, one of them still makes consoles <laughs> and the other one does not. So, one of them produces one of the game series I love, and one of them produces Mario games at nauseum. Uh, correction, one of them produces like one game series that is semi interesting. One the other produces literally the biggest media franchise on the planet, among other things. Hey, you want to play Mario? Hey, you want to play Mario Goes to Space? Hey, you want to play Mario Teams Up with his friends? Hey, you want to play Mario Teams Up with his friends and plays tennis? Hey, you want to play more Mario? Hey, you want to play a zombie game? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you want to play Metroid? Hey, you want to play any of the Zelda games? Hey, you want to play Hey, you want to play a game that hasn't had a new IP in, what, 30 years now? Hey, you want a console? Nothing knocking against Nintendo. They do great work. But for the love of all that is holy, new IP, new Splatoon. IP. Splatoon. I don't have to yell at you. Labo. That too. Also, Labo's kind of gotten mixed results, I think. Like, Labo like is the, the shit. It's is amazing. Because it? it just feels like really expensive cardboard boxes. It, well, again, you also don't like Lego. So I kind of like Lego to the extent of when I put it together, it should stay together. But he see, was the, the thing that wanted to glue it together, I remember. Is I remember, but but see, here's the fun thing about Labo is they they made a game where yeah, the game is fun at the other end, but there's this whole other part of it where you have to build it, and that part's a game too, and I loved it. No, I feel like you go to IKEA just to oogle the instructions. Also, but the... you see, I do. Because... Yes. Yes. <laughs> But the IP argument falls down entirely because it just is flat out incorrect. So, and I will yeah. also say that the Sega Dreamcast is still my favorite console of all time, oh, the even though even though it was a piece of crap that you could easily copy games on, and that's why it failed. It's still my favorite. I went out and bought that. My brother almost kicked me out of that. My favorite was probably the PlayStation Two. I had more. Yeah, games then we get into the whole Sony debate, and it kind of becomes obsolete. Well, it's just because PlayStation 2 had such ridiculous third-party support. 
which or just because play Sony makes great consoles and great games. I'm gonna say that Nintendo does too, but anyway. I I I would say that even though I love both the PlayStation and the PlayStation Two and can't really say anything about any console after that because I haven't had them. Um it's a garbage in, garbage out kind of thing that became the problem with the Wii. You have too much three um, third-party support, and you're not um, regulating it, and you end up with yeah, there's a lot of great games, but there's also a lot of junk. Um, the Steam problem. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, I don't know about anybody else, but if you guys have been getting really, really disturbing suggestions in your Steam queue, no. Now, Ulrich's bringing it up because he's gotten suggestions for uh, anime porn games, which are weird and weirder other things. Like, why? I don't want it. I don't need to see this stuff. And yet, every time I check my Steam queue, it's like games you might like. Why, Steam? You're worse at suggesting things than Netflix. One of your, maybe some of your friends have been uh, investing. Axel, <laughs> do you have something you want to say? Don't look at me, man. My Steam library is filled with Dark Souls. Are you sure? I'm just saying it's yeah. called art. <laughs> Are you trying to defend the hentai or the Dark Souls? Yes. I think <laughs> that was well, a great answer. Getting fucked, so. So then which one? Are you, I don't know. It's just. Yeah, I agree with the whole Steam conundrum. Ever since they decided, like, let everybody in, it's been nothing but garbage. Yeah. Well, also because you have had tons of people that are doing asset flips and essentially uh, just copying and trying to make a quick buck by putting up half-finished and broken games. I I could talk about it, but literally Jim Sterling has like hundreds of videos on the subject where he goes over in nauseating detail. And if you haven't, if anyone's listening hasn't seen him take down Steam, go watch those brilliant stuff. Oh yeah, and no, I feel kind of bad because it's slowly turning me against indie developers. And I know the AAA isn't any better, but there's just so much crap coming at me from both ends. I hate them all. This is honestly going to be like one of the first years we've had where games are fairly like fairly playable. Um, I mean, like with the new releases coming out, like the next Elder Scrolls game, which has been in development for oh since what 2011. Uh, Borderlands Three is coming out this year. Uh, I don't remember what else is coming out, but a long list of good titles might be the first time that you know companies can finally release something worth purchasing. Pokemon Sword and Shield. I'm excited for that. I am so burned out on Pokemon, and I admit it's totally old man syndrome in that there's just too many and they don't look like the ones I used to know. Well, as long as you can acknowledge that. Do you know what's really what's really funny about that statement is on the absolute opposite end of the spectrum, I had never played a Pokemon game. And it's weird because I was very aware of Pokemon, um, but kind of like with the Power Rangers category, I've only ever seen Power Rangers because my sister watched it. And I only ever saw Pokemon because my cousin Joey was the exact, and he's only three or four years younger than me, but he was the exact right age to get into it at the ground level. So the first Pokemon game I've ever played is um, the one on the Switch, on the remakes of Blue and Red, is that, or was it Yellow and... and and I'm absolutely friggin' addicted to it, and now I'm really excited about this new Pokemon game. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, it's a Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. It is. It's a fantastic. It's Dude, complete... it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a. Which is extremely 7. expensive to get into if you didn't know that already. 
Well, Switch is like one of the big reasons I'll defend Nintendo right now because the Switch is a legit amazing console. It's got great regulated third-party support, tons of great like console-specific games, titles like the Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, which are a Generation 7 recreation of Pokemon Yellow. <laughs> and now we've got Sword and Shield coming out, which like I'm super hyped for. So, Dude, I can bring my Switch to work and play Doom and Splatoon online against people on my lunch break. And this is why it's I fucking great. I understand now. And this you don't have a I death rate because you hate AT. I only hate <laughs> ET because you made me hate ET. I think it's funny because going back and listening to that, I feel like we established a set of conditions and then you you like were defining it in your own way to make it so that whatever choice we made, it meant that Jurassic Park was somehow not as good as you wanted us to admit it was, even though we never said that. And you're just holding on to this for dear because life. Because Jurassic Park went out way too soon for reasons I am not entirely comfortable with. Anyway, that episode is awesome. And yeah, it's doing really well, by the way. Uh, so I wanted to, I had something I wanted to ask a bit ago until we went on this big rant about video games. Uh, and yes, Switch is worth it, by the way, Ulrich, if you can afford it. But remember how I had this, I said something a while ago in the previous episode about, like, we were talking about the duel, right? And how older things, like newer generations, could have trouble getting into older things because how they look. You guys remember that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I remember how I said that, like, I'm very much a proponent of against that mentality because I watch old Star Trek, I watch old Doctor Who. You know, Twilight Zone. I mean, that's all, it's all science fiction, but same kind of concept. I realized that while I do believe that, I have a really hard time with old animation. And I can't figure out what is necessarily the, the reason why I can do it with live action when it's a lot more obvious that budgets were crappy. But I can't do it with animation when it's even like going back and watching something from... Let me put it this way. I'm not actually insulting the show. I know the show is great, but I just recently started to go back and watch Batman the Animated Series, and that first season is so stilted, and it's hard for me to get invested in anything because of how cheap it looks. <laughs> I can't figure out why I feel that way. Okay, let's get a poll of the room. How important is aesthetics to you in your decision-making of whether you can get into something or not? For me, I've actually found it's kind of important. Like, if it's not visually appealing to me, I'm not going to be able to get past that. It's largely why I don't do anime. It's decently important for me, but I've also realized that I can easily look past it. Because I, I think I've made the comments before, but there's some things where I, I've done the literal, you know, judge a book by its cover first impression. Uh, I'm like, just like, I don't, that doesn't look good. I'm not going to like it. And then it turns out to be one of my favorite things. And one of my favorite examples of that is uh, Ed, Ed, Nettie. Like some of the first trailers, I'm like, this looks like it's going to be terrible. But it is one of the funniest shows to come out of cartoon cartoons. Greg, you want to weigh in as the uh, young demographic that Axel's referring to? Uh, that can't get past things that have uh, issues with their um, graphical quality. 
Uh, I would say that um, it really depends on what it is um, that really plays a role. Uh, certain um, genres of different items play into the fact of like the way they're they uh, the way they look. Um, games like like for instance, if you're talking, you know, you could apply this to video games as well as movies. Um, certain video games can play more into their uh, into their style and quality that other people may not be very appeal to. Um, get, like my iconic list for that is Borderlands. A lot of people say the game looks cartoony, it looks fake, it looks like something you know just doesn't look realistic. Um, and I feel like the whole point of that game is to not look realistic. Um, but I also feel like if really the what it comes down to to me is that as long as the content of it is quality, um, that's really what matters, not necessarily the way it looks. So I mean, if it's a it's a good thing to interact with, that's that's really what matters. Yeah, I I agree with with um with you there. Uh, I definitely know there's exceptions. There's things. I'm a very visual guy. Um, I'm big into cinematography. It's one of my the things I follow the most in films, and in animation, it's the same deal. But I kind of am able to put myself in the time period, like knowing a little bit more about it and going, okay, I understand that this is top notch for the time, or I understand that they're doing something different. But if it if there's another aspect of it that's lacking, like if something doesn't look great, like a lot of um British, like you talk about Doctor Who and things like that, British older sci-fi and Japanese, Chinese, you know, older sci-fi, uh, foreign films a lot have are lacking in some of the um, CG and uh, or just set design and good film and things that are shot on tape are sometimes hard to view. But as long as there's not another aspect of it that's lacking, um, I'm usually able to to get in there but like if it's badly filmed or it doesn't look good in the acting or voice acting or dubbing in anime in that respect is bad it takes me completely out of it so it usually takes a couple of things um to pull me out yeah i'm trying to think like my go-to example of that axel what are you thinking well i'm thinking that chris might have just touched on why i have the problem with animation or older animation because with you know a show like Doctor Who, right, which as he said is lacking when it comes to you know like a cinematography, you know it makes up for it in a lot of other ways, like whether it is acting or crazy stories. I mean, I Genesis of the Daleks is one of my favorite serialized bits of television ever, and that's like 1972 or something like that, and and with a shoestring budget. But why can't I watch Batman the Animated Series easily? Uh, and I feel like it's because with animation, it's a lot hard. If the animation seems stilted compared to whatever I'm used to, obviously this is a relative concept, then it's harder to make up for it with other things because like the animation is most of the thing. Yeah, story is important. Uh, dubbing is, or not dubbing, voice work is especially important, but the animation is like the entire experience is part of it right so it's it's just harder for me to get past that i can like i said batman the anime series is amazing i just have a hard time engaging with it because i'm not used to animation being that stilted so i will say too a lot of animation tv especially where budgets are stilted a lot more um than movies uh anything from an era where the resolution was less especially in animation um, or video games, I have an example for that too, does not benefit from being HDified. 
So if you're watching Batman the Animated Series on like Blu-ray or on UpConvert or on Netflix on a TV that makes everything look perfect, you see all the flaws. Um, and I think it jumps out a lot more. I remember this when the PlayStation 2 first came out, and I think this is one of the main reasons why consoles have been less backwards compatible off of physical media. I love the the idea of downloadable media for backwards compatible because they're able to fix some of these problems. Um, but the PlayStation 1 made a lot of its tricks in being able to go up against the Nintendo 64 and that it it, it did what Sega did. It had a split processor, so it used one processor to do the graphics in the foreground, and it used another processor to do the lower resolution graphics in the background, and so they were able to put a lot more detail into their main characters, um, and so games like Metal Gear Solid, games like Silent Hill, games like the Final Fantasy games with their pre-rendered backgrounds could fake you into thinking that the game looked better than the N64 counterpart where the N64 actually had more processing power. So ways that they did this is they had these processors. They also had this shading and fog effects that weren't actually in the game. They were put in by the system itself. And when the PlayStation 2 came out, they didn't include that. So when it played the old games like Metal Gear and Silent Hill, the resolution got wonky and the the shading that they did on the textures and things went away. So the games looked terrible. And so not only did they not age well, but the tricks they did to make them look better and fake you out, the blurring and the, the frame rate changes and stuff all disappeared. And I think the same thing can happen when you up convert an old animated TV show. I totally buy that. And I love that it's also a big engineering concept <laughs> nerding out a bit about it but i will definitely pay closer attention to that when i go back and because again I, I was watching gotham so i was like all right i want to go watch some batman actually be batman and my first go-to was the animated series so I'll keep it in mind next time i try i think uh that's something that really has been shaping the way like backward compatibility like you said is the development of tvs in general um just like, you know, just resolutions in general just change so much. When you take a something that was designed for like less than 420p, I mean, and you throw it on a 4K TV, uh, it, it's not designed to do that. <laughs> I tried to run no, my old PS2 and it, it does not hold up on a uh, 4K TV. <laughs> and and this is why I've I'm really been enjoying what Nintendo has done specifically with their um, classic consoles. And then this thing they have on the switch, which is um, unofficially referred to as NES Netflix, which is an offline Nintendo online handshake thing that has to check itself once a week to make sure you still have an account, but it's a play anytime set of, I think it's up to like 35 NES games. But what they do is they give you um, like the game, but then they'll give you like uh, a speed round or they'll give you, Hey, you can automatically play the last level. Cause we know Ninja Gaiden is impossible and no one will ever make it to the last level. So you can do that. But a thing that they've done with almost all of them is they've revamped or changed the music to sound better on newer speakers. So they haven't, you know, they haven't, you know, made it better. They haven't gone and, you know, done it with an orchestra or anything, but they fixed it. So it sounds right. They've optimized it. And on games where the, flashes and things put on a new tv would be either hard on the eyes or like send a person with epilepsy off the edge they've actually changed those and diminished them or altered them um and i think that's amazing even though i'm not a huge fan of like the george lucas style of going back and tweaking things because you didn't think you get it right 
I like the idea of optimizing it for the television I'm watching it on now because it's not like they're taking the original game that I own and telling me I have to change it. They're changing a version of it so I can actually play it the best way possible. And I think that's great. Yeah. It's funny because this whole concept of like the super high, I, I went over to a friend's house last year and he showed me the first episode of Legion, which, uh, you know, based on the comic book character and the, the show seemed fine, but the whole time he's he had the super really high definition TV. I was like, this looks weird. And I ended up looking up, it's called the soap opera effect. Uh, and I had this funny situation where the other three people I was watching it with all looked at me like I was crazy. Like they didn't understand what I was trying to convey to them. <laughs> but I remember the first time I experienced it was um, I was at someone's house and Thor, the original movie Thor um, was on. And I was like, why does it look like a cheap daytime television show? <laughs> so, Just because other people in the room say you're cra- not crazy doesn't mean you are. Have you seen Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise's public service announcements about that? <laughs> yes. I have. And it's uh they're pretty wonderful. Yeah, they're great. I got to say they they're great. Speaking of weird crossovers, have any of you guys seen the Sesame Street HBO crossovers that have been circulating? Respect yes, it's coming. I, I, I like the West the Westworld <laughs> one I think is a little bit better, but that could be my cookie monster bias. I stopped watching the Westworld one because I didn't want to spoil it because I haven't actually caught up with Westworld. I don't think there's any spoilers in it. Oh my god, I need to see this right now. Uh, is this like the, the weird Muppet things Disney was doing for a while? Kind um, of. There's, where they... It's just trailers for their upcoming seasons of television. But Yeah, that's exactly what it is. They, they, did, they did like Muppet Bohemian Rhapsody and stuff like that a while back. It was... <laughs> Don't yeah, the, the first one I saw has Tyrion Lannister and Cersei Lannister sniping at each other, and suddenly Elmo shows up to get, teach them a lesson about respect. As long as it wasn't a lesson about incest, I'm fine with it. <sighs> I is for incest. By the way, fun, fun little story. When I first got into Game of Thrones, I didn't realize that, that Joffrey was what he is until well after the episode where I was supposed to get it and Woonvog was in the house. So I was, I was in my bathroom brushing my teeth and Woonvog was in the other room and suddenly he just heard me go, Oh, 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 that's because that first season is so dense and so much information gets thrown at you. It kind of takes a while to put it all together. Like I said, in our game of Thrones episode, I thought Theon and, uh, Rob were the same character there for a while. And all of this is going over Chris's head because he's one of those handful of people that has never seen Game of Thrones. I've seen the first four episodes. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's funny because I feel like Woonvog and I talked about this and uh, he hasn't watched Game of Thrones. He was kind of interested for a while, but he basically kept running the situation where things the beats and stuff would get spoiled for him so he got really frustrated with it and i i understand so now i get to a point where it's like why even like bother it's just kind of accept the world that we're in it, it's just weird the game of thrones has that kind of experience with people so the nerds inherited the earth and it's kind of weird yeah and my biggest issue was uh you know i get people getting excited about it but i would see spoilers popping up and everyone talking about it as if 
everyone had already seen it within yeah. 20 minutes of the episode coming out. And I'm just like, really? You just assume everyone's already caught up to with you at this point? Do you guys have really like jerky, douchey morning shows on the local radio stations where you guys? I've, I've heard a few, yes. Okay, yeah, so, so, so in Boston, they all seem to be competing with each other to be the douchiest as humanly possible. Oh, no. And so this, I, I told them uh, the, the, the reason I had a hard time getting into Game of Thrones and um, I actually had a hard time getting into Walking Dead when it was first on. And I've only ever watched the first season of it because I really like Frank Darabont. And when he left, I didn't want to stick with it. But um, it's the same people that were like, this is like all that queer stuff you like, only it's not queer, is what I'd get all the time. And I'd go, what? Like, you know, it's like, like Game of Thrones is like Lord of the Rings, only, you know, pe- people have sex and stuff, so it's not gay. And I'm like, what the fuck what? are you talking about? Like this, And so these shows continue that. Like, and the worst thing about these morning shows is that they – they find it fun to spoil stuff like this for people. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll flip through the channels and hear on the way to work, like whatever douchey morning show from the Boston area, you know, there's like five of them all doing the same bit where they have a guy come in and blow game of Thrones for people on the air. And it's just like, well, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this is real. So stupid. See, that's what I mean. You just, it seems like it's an angry area and I don't know why. I'm amazed that those people haven't been punched yet because Game of Thrones. They're, they're celebrated. People love it. It's so weird. Is it in the water? Is that what's going on? Dude, I have no idea. I mean, you explain Gronkowski. Well, all oh, that... he's he's a fun-loving cherub. <laughs> what are you fun-loving talking about? cherub? Uh, I see him wheel him out in cage and poke him with sticks before the game to get him all angry. That is true. Gronk want smash, then Gronk want beer. Okay, on that more optimistic note, we, uh, we're kind of hitting our time code. I want to give everyone a chance to give a, a small suggestion and a small plug or whatever they want. So, you know, like, uh, you're at the top of the list. You got a, a, any quick, like, to, to conclude this giant tangential conversation that we could chart would look like a tree. What do you want to uh, leave us with? Oh, I'll loop back to some of the conversations. And if you're at all interested in like how in like looking at Power Rangers, it's it is still definitely a kids show. But watch Power Rangers RPM. It is on Netflix. It is an it is an amazing se- uh, season of the series, and it is uh, it is hilariously self-referential. Because there's one of the main characters who's effectively Mad Max in the scenario is being told about how they're meant to be like a covert operations to stop what is effectively Skynet. Uh, he looks at all the rangers and goes, yes, because nothing says covert like bright blue, red, and yellow spandex. <laughs> I'm not going to give it a watch. And it, it's that sense of humor for the rest of the series, and it's incredible. I'm gonna second that. It it the show opens like instead of opening with like a Power Rangers theme song, it opens with like a cold open with like a war zone going on. It, it, it and like a pretty violent one for the type of TV show that it is. Yeah, it's it's very self-referential, but it doesn't hide the fact that this is a war of attrition and Skynet is winning. 
I might give it a shot. I Skynet, so well, Terminator is a big part of my childhood, so you know it's a good sell. <laughs> All right, uh, Krug, do you have any concluding thoughts for us? Uh, I mean, I feel like the real key to this whole conversation has been uh, don't judge a book by its cover, and uh, be sure to check out those things that you think might be bad just off first impressions. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's uh, a good round philosophical point. So I approve. Chris, what do you got for us? Um, I'm not allowed to say anything about Endgame. Um, no. So I'll just say that I that I saw it and I'm looking forward to other people seeing it so we can talk about it. Well, uh, me and Wunvar will be going together along with my my lady on uh, on Saturday. So let's talk about it sometime after that. <laughs> yeah, depending on when this comes out, there should be a review up for our patrons. I don't really know when this is going to come out. Ooh, I get to be uh, on that one. Yes, you do. So just to kind of close this out, the whole purpose of this, this is a thing we do with our patrons once a month. And if you enjoy just sitting here and listening to it, why not become a patron and join in on this? I mean, as you saw, it goes all over the place. It runs long, it runs short, it all depends. But one thing is for certain, if Chris and I are both in the thing, we will fight about E.T. <laughs> you are in the minority, Ulrich, as long as you accept that. <laughs> Oh, I know I am. I mean, there's three E.T. porn parodies, so there's got to be people out there that are really into it. Hey, did anyway. you did you find those with your uh, Steam recommendations? <laughs> no, but now that I've mentioned it, I'm sure there's going to be some variation of that in my Steam recommendation. You know, the more you talk about E.T. See, this is the thing. Like, you hate E.T., so when Google, like, recommends things involving ET to you. It's just going to make you hate it more. But you can talk about Jurassic Park all day long. I love Jurassic Park. So just go. And yet you chose to kick it out. We. We. we, we, we. I did not vote on that one. We have backed it. Anyway. You, set up, to, you uh, set up the two-third majority <laughs> rule, my friend. It's your podcast. Anyway, to take us away from that, which I'm sure will be a recurring thing for as long as we know each other. But uh, the only suggestion for the week kind of thing I have, which I'll do probably a longer suggestion later when I get more into it, is I recently started playing Divinity Original Sin 2. And here's what I'll say. If you're a fan of Dungeons & Dragons and you want to play a video game that is a very, very well done video game version of Dungeons & Dragons, there you go. Divinity Original Sin 2. Boom. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So. Okay, since I guess we're throwing suggestions. Uh, Total War Warhammer 2, a game I love, just dropped an awesome DLC that gave us giant rat men with machine guns and nukes. So, yeah, that's going. All right, well, I, I just want to say thank you to our, our guests, Wunvog, Krug, Chris. We love having you on, and this is the... We haven't ever had more than two guests on, so this is the biggest... I guess recording we've ever done. So thank you guys for being a part of it. Always a blast. You guys are awesome. 
right. Well, thank you all for your patronage. Again, if you're a patron, you're here in this early. And also, if you're a patron with a $5 tier or more, you get to join us. So until next time, this has been Lord Command. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Although I will add, also, I feel like um, I know... You know what? Cut this out. Forget it. Go. <laughs> I'm not going to edit this. All right. Good night, folks.